L.A. Van Gogh is a multi-genre performer, producer, and songwriter with a sound inspired by hip-hop, jazz, R&B, and dream pop. His latest effort is the eclectic Everything is Subjective. This is my conversation with L.A. Van Gogh. Probably pay my credit card debt with the check. Walk up in a Sally made with a lease ADK. Do a windmill when I slap it on the desk. Ooh, I'ma get all my chicken less. I'ma go and get it off my chest. I'ma lose sight of the stress. Damn near by my weight in the heaven. Invest in impressing myself with 11 new cars just to get them. When I get rich, probably slow it down. Maybe put my money elsewhere. I'm gonna get so rich that I can start my own hell. You are listening to Vocal Radio. I'm Jesse Menendez, my in-studio guest, the shapeshifter himself, Mr. Yeah. L.A. Van Gogh. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. One of the things I remember from one of our earlier conversations was how you felt you painted words or you used words to paint imagery, that you had these things that you had in your mind and you used your vocation of lyricism to get that out there to make people see what it is you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from, that visual representation of textualized communication? I think it came with how I listen to music because um, I think I mentioned this often in, in our last interview about how Lupe Fiasco is my favorite rapper. He kind of taught me how to rap. So he just, everything I saw from him was like just a movie in my head. And then also there's that line from the Notorious movie where he just doing like the meet and greet. He's like, yo, it's like a movie. And, you know, and that line always stuck in my head when I thought about music that I wanted to make and music that I liked. When you think about the music that you make and you put it up into that category of it's like a movie, I think about things visually. Do you also think of each song as a story that you're telling, like a different arc, beginning, middle, and end? Yeah, definitely. I structure it that way just to keep some symmetry. And um, each one is like a picture I'm trying to paint. You know, So each one is just a scenario of colors or sounds that I hear. And I just try to put them together, however... It comes together, however I feel. Tell me about the sonic aesthetic that you convey on the albums up to this point. Because one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is how eclectic and wavy your sound has been. Mm -hmm. I think I could be lazy and categorize you as a hip-hop artist, but I think that would also be doing a disservice to what it is you actually present. Even on this album, everything is subjective. There's a lot going on in terms of genre blurring, but also in terms of tone and mood. Mm -hmm. I think I just listened to a... Or at least I make music a lot accustomed to what I feel, and I'm not afraid of what, quote-unquote, doesn't sound good together. I've spent a lot of my life listening to soul music, listening to, like, real chill music, but I also have this infatuation with bass. And I've always loved bass. I always loved anything that sounded good in the trunk of a car that made your car sound like it was a garbage can full of nails. (laughs) And I had to figure out a way to make both work because... If I tried to lean one way towards the bass-heavy music, it didn't feel like me emotionally. Like, there was something there that just wasn't me. But if I went too far to the opposite end where it was too smooth and too mellow, I'm like, man, this needs a little bit more life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that blending is is me trying to find an answer to a problem that I had making music. If I were to listen to your music without the lyrics attached to it and it was just the instrumental, would I get an idea of who you are as an artist, L.A. Van Gogh? But definitely, because I think the arrangements speak for themselves. I think they speak 
to the music. I I actually purposely did a lot of things with arrangements with music to speak to the concept of the song or to speak to what I'm saying. Tell me about that, especially when you think about a track like Upper Room, which toward the end kind of switches and turns into almost a different track and even mm. a kind of different train of thought when you're like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Tell me about that track. Well, that track is like what anxiety feels like for me. That's actually what the name of the uh, Logic Project was called. I was thinking Upper Room. Does that mean like your head? It means your head. Um, if you're a spiritualist, it means whatever you believe in, you know, the the concepts of the traditional Christian concepts of heaven and hell. I just touched on a lot with that song. So what does anxiety sound like to you? That part where it sounds like all of those voices and then I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up. That's what anxiety felt like. And I felt like I structured that song around that point. So tell me about the lines that you say immediately after you say shut the fuck up because you talk about suicide, you talk about some other yeah, things. Yeah, I done changed my mind 40,000 times. Mm, suicide major hit my line, feeling like a basketball drill. Like, that's just like what I've been through. You know, I have changed my mind a lot on a lot of different things. And the fact that it came right after that little anxiety part is kind of a coincidence, but... Yeah, I'm just building on the story of myself. Yo, shut the f up. I done changed my mind 40,000 times. Suicide made you hit my line. Feeling like a basketball drill. It's the cardio I despise. All this running got us big inside. Trying to be a rule with the vine. Heard that all these maggots living menacing. All my children wanna do is fly. Only wings I got came with mom. Only wings I got came with when it comes to influence, influence is sometimes so vague that you could never hear it mm -hmm. outwardly. You can only ask what somebody was thinking about and then they can tell you maybe what they were listening to or what they were feeling. And then you're like, oh, okay, I could see that. Mm -hmm. This track, from the title, from your delivery, your cadence, your tone, to the pattern of speech, reminds me a lot of ADHD. Mm, interesting. And I wanted to know what your take on escapism was and what that meant for you. And the reason why it reminded me, not because I thought you sounded like Kendrick, mm -hmm. but because to me, escapism and what he was talking about on that song had a lot to do with the things that we kind of convolute our minds with just to get away from who we actually are. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of that song, the underlying purpose of that song is about being cyclical in whatever it is. Um, escapism can be a good thing, you know, like you vacation, you know, that's a good form of escapism for some people. But addressing what I'm talking about, which are often considered vices, it becomes a cycle, which is um, what I was gonna say. I use a lot of that production to speak to what I'm saying, cause the song like kinda legit starts over after every verse. It's about getting out of that cycle. Like for me, the arrangement goes that first verse, I try this one version of escapism, which is so the second verse, I'm trying weed um, and or music. And then this third verse is like me stepping out of that cycle and waking up in a place where I'm looking like, yo, what I just did really isn't working for me. So I need to figure out how to end this cycle. How have you broken the cycle? Meditating, not taking this so serious realizing it for what it is so that third verse that whole concept of looking at your shadows and seeing the darkness of them and seeing why they're there and then you also see like the bright light shining on you and that's what i pay more attention to now is that bright light shining on me like there's always going to be a shadow behind me in reality 
but why should I be worried about it? How you make this dress disappear? Soon as that dress disappear, she asked me to dive into her. That's when I stepped off the pier, and that's when we got so lifted. I seen her just hands appear, but when it's all over, and we both sober, we just end up back here. Whenever I hear everything is subjective, that usually comes during the course of some sort of discussion slash arguments slash debate mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, well, I see what you're saying, but honestly, everything is subjective, meaning it's up to your own interpretation. Mm-hmm. It certainly has a lot to do with your own cultural lens and perspective. I don't really think everything is subjective. I think there are some things that are pretty black and white. That's just me. Like I, ain't, I ain't an artist. I ain't fish. So I want to ask you. I think everything is subjective because if you just look at the, the lens of what we think we know, there's more to it. There's so much we don't know about here on Earth, within the oceans. There's so much we don't know outside of us. There are so many celestial bodies that are just so much bigger than us. And it begs the question about what if this isn't the only life that's out there? And if that is the case, then what does that mean for a lot of the traditions that we hold to here on Earth? Um, So I think of it in that way, like everything is subjective in the big grand scale of the universe, the multiverse, the whatever verse is that something is different from someone else's point of view and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there seems to be this fear around there being no objectivity. And my philosophy is the only thing that's objective is that things are subjective. Things will change. Things evolve over time. Things shapeshift. Shameless plug. <laughs> there's an old political scientist and philosopher I think it's John Stuart Mill I might have that wrong but he talks about there being what's called half truths you don't ever come to a full truth until you come across somebody and have a conversation that either confirms or negates your half truth and then you know it kind of for you becomes a whole truth but that does not make it a whole truth for the world you feel me you just blew everyone in this room's mind I would piggyback off of uh, what you were saying in terms of subjectivity. And I think my definition of subjectivity has a lot to do with your definition, mm. but more so coming from it from the perspective that I, I, the great philosopher Eric Badu said, a man who knows one thing knows he knows nothing at all. That's, That's kind of how I look at mm-hmm. things. Like I, I know that everything that I see and experience isn't all there is to, you know? Yeah. And so that's that's why for me, you know, not everything's subjective. Yeah, even if you study animals, they're getting a whole different experience of Earth than we are. Oh, absolutely. My three dogs are, are savages. <laughs> Crazy-ass dogs. Appreciate you making time. The album is Everything is Subjective. You are L.A. Van Gogh. I am. LA you are Van Jesse. Gio. Thank you for making time, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Words like somebody use a clock, yeah.